Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, Owen Beck made his NHL Montreal Canadiens debut in a loss to the Ottawa Senators. And despite the scoreline, it might not have been as bad as we all thought. We're going to talk about that, the game ahead on Tuesday. And then it's time for three up and three down, all inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 774 of Lockdown Canadians. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. And remember to make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown today to get started. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla, and I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, it was a Saturday of highs and of poop as Owen Beck made his NHL debut for the Montreal Canadiens. In a 5 nothing loss to the Ottawa Senators, which is not ideal under any circumstances whatsoever. Great for the tank, maybe, but everything else bad. How are we doing on the Sunday afterwards? We are recording this uh, on Sunday evening before the Canadians' final game of the week on Tuesday. So I think it's pretty lucky that the call-up came before an Ottawa Senators game. Because that way, the entire Beck family, including everyone they've ever met, was still able to find seats to a game because it happened to take place in Ottawa. So I know it's kind of low rent to make fun of Ottawa attendance, but it seriously was a concern for me that how are they going to... Because like we know, and you know personally, the Beck family super supports Owen. It's so endearing to watch. We love it. We truly, truly love watching it. And there's so many people that are so behind him. And I was like, oh, no, are they going to have to pick and choose who gets to go to watch the debut? And they didn't have to. Everybody who could make it was there. It was so heartwarming to see. And so, you know, I think in terms of uh, Beck's debut, I'm going to be honest, he did look nervous at times. There was a little bit of, of, of uncertainty in his game, which we're not used to seeing in the OHL. But First of all, he's technically a second-round pick. Second, he's 18 years old. I don't think that necessarily, you know, I, I, I think that it's an early call-up. It's an earlier call-up than he would have gotten if his career trajectory uh, did not involve all the Canadians' injuries that they're currently dealing with. So I do think that, all things considered, he was, he didn't play badly. That's not at all what I would say. But as you said on Friday, we needed to adjust our, adjust our expectations. He wasn't going to come in and beat the world in one second in, in the first moment. I thought he held his own really well. Um, I thought you you could just you you could see the jitters is all. So I think now that that's out of the way, and obviously the Pete they, they, he got sent back down to the Pete's because they had a game today. I think now that that's out of the way, I feel like if they were to use an emergency call up on him again or going forward, you know, the closer we get to next year, the more likely it is that they will give him more opportunities at the NHL level, um, potentially a permanent opportunity at the NHL level. We don't know what's going to happen. I think that now that that's out of the way, he can start building on that. Um, I was still very happy to see him. I still, I loved when the camera was panning to the, the Beck family and his mom was, uh, 
is so emotional. Uh, and, and I just, it's such a feel good story because I got to tell you the rest of the night wasn't so much. <laughs> yeah. Like the possession numbers and everything didn't look good. And I'm looking at natural stat trick now. And it's like the Canadians didn't play well overall in this game, which is concerning in its own right, considering Ottawa had played the night before. Um, I'm not obviously going to draw some grand conclusion about Owen Beck from this game because he was not making or breaking the Canadians. I do think overall a five, nothing scoreline kind of hides a little bit of some puck luck that didn't go the Canadians way. They had goals that bounced off of guys. And the biggest thing is in this game, they hit five goalposts behind Anton Forsberg. And if half of those go in, let's say two out of the five go in and, you know, being generous and not making it three out of five, obviously those goals changed the momentum of the game. Kirby doc missed a sitter like Christian Dvorak missed one. They hit posts. I'm not super worried going into Tuesday because every time the Canadians have had a stinker of a game like this, their next effort has a lot more energy to that. And that's kind of what I'm anticipating on Tuesday night, because this week the rocket don't play until Friday. So there may be a reinforcement coming there. Maybe it's Sean Monaghan. We don't know. It's the last game before the All-Star break. Go out and give it your all there because you get you know a week and a half off at this point then. They don't play again until February 11th. So they got almost two weeks there. I expect a better effort. I assume Jake Allen will probably get the start to give Montembeau a little bit of a break. I wouldn't be shocked to see this flip the other way. The Senators are a very dangerous offensive team. That's always been the case defensively and in goal they're still inconsistent and sometimes you just don't get bounces off goal posts the canadians have benefited from that too that this is not to say this is purely a senator's thing i think we're going to see a much better effort on tuesday i think we're going to see a much sloppier overall game uh in terms of everybody's going to be mad at everybody tensions are going to be high it's two back-to-back games against the senators I'm annoyed talking about it. I can't imagine being on the ice with Brady Kachuk, who seemingly never shuts up and being someone like Arbor Jack guy who just wants to hit him in the mouth. I think Tuesday is going to be a lot more fun. And we'll obviously preview a little bit closer, depending on what the lineup looks like and what we know for roster news in and out of stuff here, just because who knows? Uh, There's a lot that could happen this week. Maybe because they're playing in Quebec, they use another emergency recall on somebody who, I, we don't know. There's plenty of, there's still all of Monday to decide what they're doing with that and what they're going to do on Tuesday. And we will handle that as we go. Uh, Laura, do you have any parting thoughts before we get into our usual Monday segments? I think I'm good. I just, um, I want to see a little bit. I, I just want to see a win against the senators just because I just, I like it better when we're happy and their fans are not. That's all. Yeah. It, it's like, go out on a strong note is that you're still in the bottom what, six or seven in the NHL at this point. It was a great night for the tank with other teams winning. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes you want to have a happy Saturday night, hockey night in Canada-wise, and they didn't have that, but that's that's fine. It is what it is because in the grand scheme of things, getting a top four or five pick is still the end goal of this season. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. We'll preview that closer to the game when we get there. But it is Monday, and that means it is time for three up and three down, where we talk about our three risers and our three fallers in hockey, the Canadians, and everything around the league. And that's all coming up next. But first, 
one of our uh, next partners is a product that I use every morning because I like to get my morning started off on the right foot, and that is Athletic Greens. So and if you're wondering what Athletic Greens is, with one delicious scoop, you're getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, helps give you more energy, helps you with recovery, focus, and aging, all of these things. And it's so simple. It's just one scoop in a glass of water in the morning. First thing, getting ready in the morning, mix it in there, take your athletic greens, and get started on the right foot. And if you're vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you don't have to worry about any of the ingredients in that because Athletic Greens was created with that in mind. And if you're like me and you don't get enough sleep or you need more quality sleep, Athletic Greens helps support sleep quality and recovery. And it's one of the best parts about that. And right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop of cup in the water every single day. That's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, great for those winter months, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We are back here at Locked on Canadians, and it is Monday. And everyone who has been following the show for a while knows what Monday means. That means it's time for three up and three down. And we always start with the down because we always want to end the week on a positive note because we are a ray of sunshine in your winter cold and blizzard snow, or at least I hope we are. Um, If we're not, I don't want to know. Please and thank you. Starting on the down list this week, Laura, we're going to come in real hot and spicy here. The Kings All-Star, Nick Suzuki, does not look like himself. I am very certain he is playing injured right now among many other people on this team. I feel like it is impacting his play and that makes the Canadians worse off. I I'm not fully blaming Nick Suzuki mean like he's terrible. He's garbage, blah, blah, blah. I am worried about him playing injured right now in a meaningless season when it's okay to take some time to recuperate. And if he's out for the season, well, just add it to the list of other horrible things that have happened. But I want him to rest and recuperate because he is one of like three pillars on this team that they really need going forward, especially in the next year where they're expected to take that step forward and make that progress. I don't like that he's playing injured. And I also don't like that he's injured and clearly playing through something, whatever it is. uh, And they keep playing him like 75 minutes a night. That's not okay. I don't like it. It's, it's, I think he's the kind of player, though, that he'll insist on doing his part. And that's the part that I'm worried about. And he's, you know, everybody else is going to get a break for the bye week and the All-Star game. It's almost two weeks, right? Not Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki has to go be an All-Star. So I just, I hope that he is getting some rest at least a little bit. Because, like, whatever it is he's playing through, you can see the man is tired. The man is, I don't even know if tired is the best way to put it. He's just clearly not at 100%. So we're not talking about his play being crappy or whatever. That's not it. It's just he needs some rest. That's it. 
And this kind of ties into our next thing with playing injured. And this is an NHL-wide thing, but this has come into the forefront thanks to the Vancouver Canucks and the Canadians this past week. Caulfield mentioned that when he was giving his end-of-the-year press conference that he has been playing with a separated shoulder that was popping back in and out, and eventually they decided to shut him down. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev has been playing with a torn ACL since the preseason when he suffered what they called a high ankle sprain at the time and he missed a bunch of time to start the season and he continued to play on that and there was a certain hockey reporter who we will not mention my name on this podcast because we are better than that who decided you know what i need to do is i need to pick up these buckets of water and carry them over here for a while uh who said yeah well other people have done that that doesn't make it okay. And a torn ACL is not like, oh, I've sprained one of my ligaments in my knee where you can stabilize it in a certain way. The ACL is the one of the main three ligaments in your knee. And having that torn destabilizes your knee, which then if it shifts and you know injures the other li- ligaments, your MCL, your PCL, or LCL, whatever that, it just sets you back even further. And the Canucks just kind of let this happen. Like they know they knew he had a torn ACL. And the only reason I can think they let him play all year on this is that they thought truly we are in a contending window and we can't, you know, not have one of our star off season signings playing for this team. And I look at that and go, what are you doing? Dude tore a major ligament in his knee and he's playing. Was it worth it? No, you fired your head coach in one of the most embarrassing ways possible. And I, and this is not just a Vancouver Canucks thing. I'm sure there are many other teams who are playing uh, injured players right now. But this, just on top of everything else in Vancouver, you're on my down list this week. For once, it's not because of the way you handle the coaching change. It's because how are you going to let a guy you spent all that money on play with a knee that is very clearly not even close to 100%. It's, it's gross and unnecessary. I just think that I'm trying to think of the last time the Vancouver Canucks made a good decision. For real. When is the last time the, the Vancouver Canucks made a good decision? That is, I mean, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm like, I'm trying to think recently and I'm like, J, JT Miller deal. No. Brock Besser's on the trade market, but Horvath's on the trade market. No. Bruce Boudreaux originally, yes, and then no. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. So are Hughes and Pedersen signed? Uh, Hughes is. I believe Pedersen is as well. Um, But they're likely losing Horvat and Besser in the near future because JT Miller has that gigantic obnoxious contract and he's yelling at goaltenders and other things, but we've talked about that already before. I'm trying to figure out who else I can put on my down list because the Canadians haven't played bad hockey at all. And the people that are playing have been admirable in their efforts across the board on this. I mean, just in general, like I don't have a whole lot of negative things to say about the team right now. There it's, there's nothing, there's like no one left. Like it's hard for me to be critical in a fair way that isn't like, ah, well, everyone's hurt. I can't really do anything about that, unfortunately. Laura, do you have anything that's kind of uh, scratching that? uh, hmm? (laughs) Not related to the Canadians, but shout out to our friend Jay, 
at the end of the game between the Flames and the and the and the um the Blue Jackets horrendous officiating call um and so it just kind of ties into like everything that we're saying about officiating over the course of the season uh so hi Jay we love you uh, but yeah, the officiating in the NHL, when it's bad, it does not just affect the Montreal Canadiens. In fact, the Columbus Blue Jackets, other than, you know, competing for the lottery, the top lottery spot, and the Calgary Flames don't really have anything to do with Montreal or Toronto. And usually Montreal and Toronto are the people that like get, you know, get a reputation for overly complaining about officiating and thinking everyone's out to get them. Like, I don't think any of these officials are out to get anybody. I think they just are not good. Um, yeah, so I, think I want to say, yeah, I want to say the game was like on Thursday night or Wednesday night. I can't even remember, but it was horrendous. It was hor- multiple missed calls. It multiple. was n- not ideal. Um, I haven't had a chance to fully watch that yet, but I, uh, I don't doubt it in the slightest. And we're going to transition out of our down segment. We're going to get into the ups. We have a lot this week inside the NHL and out, and we're going to get into all those coming up next. But first, as we mentioned off the top of the show, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sportsbook in America. That is FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports super fun and easy. All you got to do is download FanDuel now and you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown at any point in the game. Honestly, right now the Eagles are in there. It's really hard to argue against how well Jalen Hurts and them are playing. Go Birds, etc. And the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you get paid on your winnings instantly. Like I said, I've never been the biggest sports betting person but I've helped people place hockey bets and everything else using FanDuel. Super simple. And if I can figure it out in no time, so can you. So to join FanDuel, at, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your first no sweat bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And remember, make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. We are back. It is the end of three up. It is the end of three up and three down, I should say. We're going to get into the ups, and we're going to get the first one out of the way here because this is super easy, and I think everyone would be not surprised to see this here. Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc has been everything so far the Canadians fans were hoping for. Our good friend Ian Boisvert of the build and Rabbit Habs has talked about this a lot in that we were unsure what we were going to get from Kirby Doc this season. And I think we've seen exactly why Kent Hughes was comfortable trading a 13th overall pick and Alexander Romanov out of Montreal to land Kirby Doc. He's really come into his own as a center. It is no longer he and Nick Suzuki have to be together to operate. It really does kind of set the mind at ease uh, to watch how well Kirby Doc's playing and likely playing through some kind of injury as well. Thanks, Radko Gudis. I, it's hard to not be impressed by Kirby Doc right now, and I'm really glad that Hughes has made this deal. And yeah, things can change, but as of right now, huge, huge fan of Kirby Doc. And that's the thing. Like, if you've noticed, we've had Kirby Doc in our up for the last few weeks in a row. This is not the first time. This is not even the third time. Like, we've been consistently impressed, and we know that he's playing through something as well, given all the therapy days that he's taking and all of that. 
So even at not 100%, Kirby Duck still continues to be impressive. Um, and I'm, I'm very happy with him. I have to say, like, I, I cannot complain at all about the way that he's played. And I cannot complain at all about this trade. I mean, I honestly just, I think that he's going to be so good. In fact, one of our listeners, um, and I want to say from across the pond, don't yell at me if I'm, I'm thinking of the wrong comment, on YouTube said that it's possible that he might even like supplant um, supplant Nick Suzuki as the, as the uh, number one overall, depending on how things shake. Uh, sorry, the number one center, depending on how things shake out in terms of line mates and size and development and all of that. Like you have to remember that these two guys are still in their third seasons, right? So there's still a long way to go, and I do think that um, Nick Suzuki has a little bit more in terms of the hockey smarts. I think that Kirby Doc has some some things in his raw tools that Nick Suzuki doesn't have. But it's really interesting because now we don't know where the Canadians are going to pick. And you could end up with a top five pick as your center and then followed by Nick Suzuki and Kirby Doc, followed by the other one of Nick Suzuki and Kirby Doc. Just, I mean, just imagine this lineup two to three years from now. So it's really cool. It's really fun. I like it's it's good to have something to look forward to, a breath of fresh air in this season. And you just like look at Kirby Doc's contract and man is it economical and that's the thing is that allows them to slide in uh, someone like a back jake evans is still obviously here uh whoever they draft in this draft christian dvorak is still here even though i think he will likely be moving out this off season um potentially post nhl draft or at the nhl draft who knows his his contract allows them flexibility and if need be they can move him to the wing too and he's just as effective it's pretty effing great i'm not gonna lie to you and to go the other end of things, a guy who was a seventh round pick, not really heralded as much of anything, drafted as an overager, but all he's done is win and compete at every level. Rafael Harvey Pinard on that Canadian's fourth line with Belzeal and Michael Pozzetta continues to be fantastic. Even against the Sens, they had good looking possession numbers. They just work. And I get, yeah, it's fourth line minutes and whatever, but they're very, they're crushing those minutes that they are playing there and keep them together. When, you know, bodies come back, you got to send guys down, figure out a way to put it back together again, because it's honestly one of the, the fun parts going here is can Alex Belzio get his first regular season NHL goal? Can Harvey Pinard finally, you know, secure a spot there? And I think honestly, yeah, he can. And he's showing that he can. He's absolutely a guy I would love to have in the bottom six next season because he just works hard. He's on the penalty kill blocking shots. He's out there scoring goals. He's doing everything you can ask of him. What's not to love about RHP right now? Like truly seventh round pick, almost one of the last picks in the draft drafted as an overager Memorial cup champion was a huge part of that rocket run last year. He played a season in the AHL and got a letter immediately over veterans. It's hard to not love the kid, and I want to see him continue to succeed here in Montreal. Yes, I absolutely agree. Like, I'm 100% all in on, on RHP. And it's weird because I honestly didn't think all that much of him, to be honest. I really didn't. I was like, oh, whatever, just an afterthought. Like, sometimes, you know, when you forget those late-round picks, you're like, oh, the Canadians drafted a guy, right? Or whatever. The Canadians have the rights to this guy. And it was not in any way like reflective of him i was just kind of like eh and then he amounted to something right which is so so cool to see and like scott was banging the drum way back when and i was just like yeah whatever yeah whatever but now i just kind of have to be like okay this kid is really impressive he's not even a kid anymore i was gonna say it's like he signed an ahl deal for one year and then earned an entry-level contract out of it like 
dude works hard. And speaking in the realm of short kings, the last up is split between two NCAA short kings. Sean Farrell lighting up the score sheet again for Harvard. And Lane Hudson lighting up the score sheet again for Boston University against Boston College. What's not to love about the short kings in the NCAA? I am so, so excited for Sean Farrell to potentially join the team this spring, as is rumored uh, earlier on, is that as soon as Harvard is out, unless they win their conference tournament, they're not likely to head to the Frozen Four, and they're not a lock to win their conference tournament either. Same with Boston, who is, but don't expect Lane Hudson, maybe expect Luke Tuck, but the options are there, and Sean Farrell as a Canadian is going to make me so, so, so giddy, and I am very ready for that. I'm just so excited to see him. I'm so like, and he's another person where Scott, you were way ahead of the rest of us on him. Like I, I, it's not that I didn't think much of him or anything like that. I was just like, yeah, it's, 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 it's cool. It's, it's exciting. It's just another small boy that you really hope that things work out for things pen out for. And, and they did. And again, once again, Scott, I should have listened to you. Um, and he, it's just, I, I'm excited to see him in action, really, in the NHL. So, to put things in perspective here, Lane Hudson is tied for 12th in NCAA scoring. He's the only defenseman uh, there. He's one point ahead of Luke Hughes, who had a four-goal night the other night. He has nine goals and 22 assists in 24 games. He is closing in on Adam Fox's, I believe, Hobie Baker winning season production. Uh, And to make sure that I'm not forgetting anything, Sean Farrell is ninth in the NCAA uh, behind older players, guys like Jimmy Snuggerud and Logan Cooley. And Adam Fantilli, obviously future Montreal Canadian, Adam Fantilli. It's so hard to not be excited about these guys in that a season that has been bad, but we keep seeing prospects light up the score sheet. Vincennes Rohr scored today. He came back from injury this past weekend. Joshua was lighting up the QMJHL again. Riley Kidney is quietly going about his business. Everything is lining up for a lot of these guys to be a huge boost for the Canadians in the coming years. And I think that's what Kent Hughes and company are counting on. And honestly, like I said, when Sean Farrell does come pro this spring, if everything is to be believed, I am going to be so, so, so excited if you thought I was obnoxious about Owen Beck, wait till you see this. Because like Laura said, this is one of the ones that I wrote his draft profile, fell in love when the Canadians drafted him. I feel so very entrenched in making sure he gets the recognition he deserves as a Habs player. Very, very excited. Uh, Laura, any parting thoughts before we wrap up the show today? No, I think um, it's a lot to be excited about. And uh, obviously this week is the bye week and all-star break and all of that start. Uh, so look out for some fun guests in the week next week or so. Yes. And while we don't have any sort of inside information, it does seem like the Canadians might be leaning towards adding another body going into the, all- the last game before the all-star break. When that happens, we will let you know. We will have an entire show on that. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Follow Laura at The Active Stick. Follow myself at Scott Matla. We're working on trying to secure some guests going forward for uh, bi-week content. So stick with us as we work on that. And folks, thank you for subscribing and we will see you all next time.